It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide Eating shit G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 26 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, today on Luke's Lounge, ladies and gents, we have a two-times world champion bodyboarder. He runs his own bodyboarding camps out of Puerto Rico. He hails originally from Cape Town, and he swears he's not an Instagram influencer, but I've got something else to say about the matter. Of course, I'm talking to Jared Houston. How are you, my bro? How's it, bro? I'm good, man. Stoked to uh, get to catch up, Luke, and uh, yeah, do a little whack out of potty. Yeah, yeah, bloody oath. And thank you for um, doing it just after coming off the tools, trying to get a new bathroom into your um, humble abode there in Puerto Rico. You're really sweating it out at the moment? I've been sweating it out the past couple of weeks, but actually just wrapped up with a uh, with a 10-day camp. So I'm just having to take every little, you know, kind of moment I have now to get some stuff done in the house. Yeah, so those camps are pretty full on, hey. Like you, you've got um, you've got a fair few guests coming over, and you've got to cater to everything during this day. Yeah, sure do. Like what we do is we we kind of run like an all inclusive uh, package. So um, yeah, everything from when the guest arrives at the airport to when they leave is pretty much taken care of by us. Uh, we pick them up. Um, I, you know, all their meals are, are prepared uh, within the community. Uh, we you know subcontract out meals to local uh, cooks in the area that put together a pretty pretty cool balanced diet for the week and um, yeah otherwise we're just chasing waves working on technique um, they stay just out the back of our place we have a you know self-contained unit on the property you also have a pretty solid rooster too We've got a pretty solid rooster here. I'm going on in the background there. We've got four, bro. They are they're pretty annoying. They're pretty annoying, but, you know, I can't catch them. They're always in the trees, so I just let them be. Yeah, yeah. Hey, dude, and at least they're keeping peace in the place. You know, I'm sure they've got, like, a pecking order, no pun intended, with the chickens, and just, you know, <laughs> making sure everything's tipped off. Dude, they're actually pretty gnarly, bro. Like, you know, cockfighting's pretty big in Puerto Rico. You know, it's, like, actually, like, cultural, you could say. Like, there's on stadiums and stuff you go to and uh, i mean i'm not for animals fighting in any way but i will say that these freaking roosters if they encounter each other just on the ground yeah and there's something you know they're having beef about they fight to the death like i've you know i've, I've seen it personally just in the in the wild you know it's not like they only fight when they're in the ring they fully fight each other all the time it's pretty wild to see Dude, I've heard, um, you know, chickens and roosters being so prehistoric and they're like just savages when it comes to anything um, emotional or anything that you would think it, like is going to maybe slow them down in regards to situations. Like I, I know those things are, are ruthless, man. Like so many, so many farmers have told me back in the day, not back in the day, goodness gracious, only 32 years old, but like, you know, over, over my life, like you just hear from people that these 
these things have no remorse, man. You know, they are full on nutcases. And you just see them as cute farm animals and they're always portrayed as that. But yeah, that I'm I'm sure if we fell down on the ground and we were bleeding out, there's no way they're calling triple O, man. They're just pecking us to death. <laughs> I mean I, they're pretty I guess they live a pretty vegetarian diet though, but although, you know, if they eat whatever I give to them. So if there happens to be, you know, formerly deceased member of their own species in the mix, they will definitely consume it for sure. Dude, that's full mad, mad chicken disease coming up there. You know, I only found out the other day that mad cow disease is actually developed through farmers or agricultural processes feeding dead livestock back to livestock. No way. I don't know that either. That's disgusting, bro. It's disgusting. And when I found out, I was like, no wonder it's fucked. No wonder it's called mad cow disease because that idea is fucking mad. You turn him into cannibals <laughs> and, like, it, it, what did you think was going to happen? You know, you think they were just going to excrete all the weird shit out of those dead livestock animal bodies and then you'd be sweet? No, you know what I mean? You fucking been more to have a thing before they start putting these processes in place. 100%, bro, 100%. <laughs> I, um, dude, I know it's a pretty touchy time for Puerto Rico because you guys are just coming out of the hurricane season. I wanted to check in and see how you guys were doing in the 2022 season. Like, was there anything pretty gnarly coming through? Um, yeah, it was – we had a storm maybe, I guess, almost a month ago now, uh, Hurricane Fiona – that um, I actually was hosting a camp at the time. It was pretty wild. We had like no electricity for most of the week, no running water for most of the week. Um, and but yeah, basically, you know, in a nutshell, yeah, Puerto Rico are pretty smoked. Um, it brought a lot of rain, so it was only a Category One, which compared to Maria in 2017 is you know, a relatively weak storm. But what it did bring was a lot of rain like a you know an extreme amount of rain so there were heaps of landslides all the rivers flooded there were a lot of communities that were totally isolated by flood water uh plus all the disease and um you know health implications that that brings as well uh down here in you know the center of the north coast where i live we do have two huge river mouths on either side of us but luckily they are wide enough and the area around them is flat enough for the flood water to kind of uh, expand and kind of run out of the ocean. So we didn't actually ever get flooded. Uh, so we got it pretty lightly. But Puerto Rico took a, a solid hit, man. A lot of people lost, you know, all of their personal possessions, their vehicles, uh, animals. There was, you know, uh, definitely a fair few lives lost as well. And uh, the since that storm, it hasn't really stopped raining. It's just been like one of the rainiest few weeks that I can remember in Puerto Rico. Just rain every day. The mountains are getting smoked, like new landslides every day. Um, it's been pretty intense, man. Puerto Rico is an intense place, weather-wise, culture-wise, politically, um, you name it, yeah. But the, the weather... This season has definitely just once again reminded us that we're pretty small and that we need to kind of get our shit together in terms of preparation. Yeah, like you got to be, you can't really, once the storms hit you, there's no one coming to save you. you Like the government does the bare minimum. Um, So it really comes down to living in a strong community um, and having 
you know, the setup to be able to weather it out. But obviously finances come into that too, you know. So the vast majority of people, you know, still have like kind of like tin roofs and then, you know, a bit of wind and those things are gone. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's pretty intense. It's been intense. It's been a pretty rough month in, in uh, for a lot of people here. Yeah. And coming from, coming from Cape Town, South Africa, man, where, you know, you mentioned before about there's, um, there's gated communities or, you know, if you needed to get someone to um, cook your meal or whatever, you could just subcontract out. You would never do it yourself or whatever, like talking about the preparation and everything the community in Puerto Rico goes through to um, get ready for major weather events or just living life on a day-to-day basis. What's the difference been between, you know, moving from South Africa and relocating to Puerto Rico? Like what's been the 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 biggest um, noticeable kind of change for you in, in your lifestyle? Uh, I mean, everything, yeah. Everything is different. Um, South Africa is... South Africa is very comparable to Australia in that, you know, you, you know at least the kind of uh, environment I grew up in and the uh, opportunities that were awarded to me were pretty, pretty plush um, in comparison to, you know, like 80% of the population. Fuck, that's a good word, Jared. Plush is so smick, bro. Yeah, plush is a good one, bro. Plush um, is a good one. Fuck, <laughs> you have some, some way with words. Eh? That's legit. Sorry, I'll, I won't interrupt anymore. No, okay. No, I mean, so, yeah, South Africa was, yeah, super comfortable of existence. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's difficulties as well, you know, there, you know, which have been well spoken about before. But getting over here was a a huge culture shock you know south africa is very kind of segregated even to this day so there's like a massive divide first of all between the haves and the have-nots but then also just people live yeah so you get like middle class neighborhoods rich neighborhoods poor neighborhoods you know that that kind of vibe whereas here in puerto rico there is i mean there are some mega rich zones that are appearing now after like Puerto Rico becoming a tax haven, et cetera. But generally speaking, you know, let's just say my neighbor, for example, is like a doctor who earns, you know, crazy amounts of money a year. Me, that's, you know, the freaking body water. And then like <laughs> people that are, you know, literally, you know, receiving food stamps and, uh, you know, uh, social security payouts. So there's like the socioeconomic line is very blurred. But what I really like about that is that, you know, there's someone with a skill around you at all times. And also um, there's not this, because there's not this e- extreme divide, there isn't much animosity between people based on uh, material possessions or, you know, comforts in life, you know, because everyone's kind of sharing the same space, uh, which that was a big breath of fresh air, you know, a little bit of an adaption coming in because, you know, First thing you notice when you're around Puerto Rico, you kind of go, oh, wow, it looks run down. Um, but there's, you know, there's multi-layers to that. Like one of them is that the vegetation is just insane. The weather's really intense. Um, so, you know, maintenance becomes difficult. It's coastal, it's low-lying. So the salt is, you're crazy. But then also, you know, people's financial uh, state comes into play there. Uh, but more than anything, the wildest thing is you might see like a really 
insane house with a freaking infinity pool and like a bloody elevator inside it. And then like literally the two houses down is like barely has a roof and isn't even painted. So like just raw concrete with like rebar sticking out of it. And people live there, you know, and they might even have a really nice car, but they, you know, it's just, so it's, it's very mixed and blended and, um, you know, obviously presents its challenges, but at the same time, I think that's what makes it, uh, such a, a great place to live too. Yeah, man. And the, you know, you obviously just mentioned the lifestyle and the environment and the people, but we haven't even got onto the waves. Like some of the waves you, you get over there, bro, are just next level. And I'm sure there's a lot of waves around the world that aren't documented, um, as much and you know have similar setups and whatever but when you you look at some of the airs and some of the things you could do whilst living in puerto rico bros fuck me dead there's some sick zones like did you when, when you first moved there did you think straight away oh yeah i'm i'm staying here for life because of the the waves that are on offer Nah, dude, I didn't, eh? Like, when I first came here, the first trip, I did get to see one of the waves close to my house, like, absolutely fire. And I was kind of like, whoa, this wave's insane. It was like this left, left-hand left wedge. It's like a natural wedge, you know, kind of like a boxy kind of thing or Kayama. But obviously, like, a really good version. Of, I mean, a Kayama, that kind of sucks. I can't go, I said I was that, just going like, It's kind of like a boxy, a boxy kind of vibe. Um but it's it's sort of it extends a lot more. Like boxy is kind of pretty condensed. This one is, you know, and if the swell's really west, it can be almost kind of like a long running sandbar. Whereas if it's more of the north, it's kind of more peaky and rampy. Anyway, I saw that wave really good the, my first trip, and I was kind of like, "Wow, this, this thing's sick." But I spent you know maybe a month here, and that was like the only track of their waves i got and i was just surfing the waves around the area i live in now and they were fun you know they were for sure fun but the wind came up you know around about 10 a day, 10 every day it was crowded the crowd's pretty you know um competitive and so i was you know i left feeling like oh that was cool but you know it wasn't anything insane but the first time i spent a full winter here which was in 2012 i was like are you kidding me like I found all these waves that I didn't even know existed. Like I remember getting taken to this wave once um, and like walking onto the beach and looking at it and it looked like, you know, from the angle I was looking at it, it looked like lunars. Okay. Just like insane. Like you could park a bus inside these pits and I see there's like 40 people out there. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is this wave? And like, why are all these lunatics surfing it like in bodies and we get out there and I was like, I was shitting myself, you know, at the time, I mean, in 2012, it would have been like, I don't know, early twenties, you know, I wasn't like super experienced and I was just going, jeez. And, you know, every, every week that passed, I felt like I went and surfed a new spot and was just tripping on the quality. And yeah, nowadays, yeah, from September to April, like I really am not interested in traveling. Yeah. You know, I'll go to Canaries because Fronton's, you know, and amazing. And I'll go to Hawaii because like Hubboards is there and pipe is, pipe is cool. And, you know, it's always an experience, but if there's a swell here and I'm gone, I'm, I'm bummed there. I'm pretty bummed <laughs> because the waves are just that good. And uh, if you know where to go, you can get pretty uncrowded surf. 
Yeah, dude. But, you know, look, looking back on clips like Island Boogie and West Side Vibes and even the Chungo story, like, so cool. And the variety of waves is in, insane. Like you were saying, from big wedges to heavy barrels and point breaks and it's all got that tropical Island S vibe. Like it's so enjoyable to watch the footage because it just, you know, there's so many heavy waves around the world that are just slabbing and they're in deep cold water and it's such a mission yeah. to get to. And I'm sure the waves, you know, there are some waves in Puerto Rico that are extremely hard to get to and you've got to put some time in. But from what it seems like or how it's portrayed in your clips, man, like phew, it's just like it looks like a dream. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you definitely got to put you got to put the work in for sure, and you got to make smart decisions because there's a small surf wind every day. So, like, we're on the north side of this island, just out in the middle of the Atlantic, and so we're in a pretty strong wind corridor. So, every day, you know, we're exactly where I live, wind comes up at later, kind of around ten, eleven. But every day by about nine, on the northwestern tip, is already cross onshore. So it's not like you can go, okay, I'm going to look at like five different spots and decide where I'm going to surf because by the time you're done looking, it's, it's going to be onshore. So you need to be like, you need to strike with surgical precision. Yeah. So a lot of the times, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, the, the trend will be like, oh, this spot's going to be good. And everyone's talking about it and like, it really looks amazing. But I'll go like, oh, you know, but there's going to be 30 people there. Maybe I'll try this spot. And you just have to drive there, walk down the dock, paddle on the dock, and just hope for the best. And sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. So you know, it, it, it there is a bit of there is a bit of work involved with it. But I mean, at the same time, dude, it's the water is twenty eight degrees. Um, so you're never surfing anything else other than boardies, pretty much. And I've never heard of someone getting buzzed by a shark. I've seen one since I've been here. It's like totally, totally not a factor which is so nice. Um, yeah, that is yeah, so nice. Just to have that off your back. Dude, it's so nice to just surf and not really be watching out for like a bloody demonic fish that's going to come and try and bite you. you know? like... <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. It's nice to just be able to float along the top of the water surface and be like, oh, cool, man. Like sun shining, you know, vibes are good. There's nothing Dude. that's going to eat me below at the moment. Yeah, like I'm feeling pretty good about my life. The last time I was in Australia, I remember being so stressed out the whole time. Like, I, like you know, like I enjoyed my sessions for sure, but I was just terrified, bro. Like I served twos by myself one afternoon with uh, T-Bone. Like he was shooting. And... Dude, like, I was honestly, like, waiting for one of us to get hit by a shark, like, at any time, you know? Like, it's just so deep, so dark. He's out in the channel. I'm, like, I remember sitting so close inside of him going to me, dude, like, you know, get on the peak. You know, you're kind of blowing it. Like, when the big one's coming too too close in, I'm, like, bro, I'm freaking scared, bro. I don't want to sit out there and dangle my sticks. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, bro, like, Australia is nuts like when i was at home in south africa i was mellow bro like all the, the orcas are just smoking the great whites i don't know if you've seen that but like the you know it's even been documented now but there's these orcas that are kind of come into the bay and um bro they 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 kill the white they kind of drown it and they like suck out its liver and heart and kidneys and then they just leave the carcass so all these like dead gray whites are washing up with their with their organs removed, and um, 
like shark spotters, the group that kind of sits in the mountains and looks out over the lineups to uh, spot for sharks, obviously, as the name suggests, they haven't seen a great white in the bay in like two years. It's uh, it's oh, wild. It's so funny you mentioned this, Tristan. I'm on our recent podcast. Also brought that up to to my attention. I had no idea, and it's just incredible to see that we've always thought as great white sharks as the apex predator of the yeah. ocean, but the orca is just like the silent killer, and they always look like they're smiling, bro. They always look like they're having so much fun, Dude. and that's the weird, sinister vibe you get off them. They're so friendly, and I know they haven't killed any humans out in the wild, only yeah. in captivity. But um, yeah, it's a crazy phenomenon. I hope it. Well, you know, I don't know how the ecosystem's going in um Australia to be able to introduce you know, orcas into possibly <laughs> kill, off, kill off great whites in bad zones. But, like, it's, yeah, definitely not a bad dude. idea. And there's bro, some spots here in Australia at the moment. Yeah, dude, 100%. Bring them in. Let's just get SeaWorld. Let's just go, hey, they're done with captivity. They're done with getting them to jump through hoops. Let's get them back out into the wild. Let's get them up near Ballina. Let's get them over near Boxing WA. Let's get 100%. them down you know, wherever we're feeling them. And then, yeah, there can just be this symbiosis, this amazing relationship between orcas and humans, and we can conquer the world. Fuck it. I love it. Love it, bro. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> oh, dude. So um, wh- when was the last time you were in Australia? Was that in before COVID? Yeah, last time I was in Australia was 2017. It was uh, I just recovered from my... Shoulder reconstruction. I spent like six weeks there, like six weeks down in yeah. Cronulla, and um, went to Tahiti during that time. Uh, it was it was fun. It was good. But yeah, I got some pretty pretty cool waves from what I can remember. It was definitely definitely a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. I was only just trying to remember too because the last time I think I seen you would have been then. You were staying with Desi, hey? Yeah, I was staying with Desi for sure. I was staying at Desi out in yeah. uh, in Cornell, frequenting the shop was still the shop was still in Cronulla. So there you go. That's like that's the throwback there. Emerald was Emerald was still in Cronulla. Um, I guess now they're out in like Kang Bar or something, yeah. Oh, bro, I wish he was still in Cronulla. Like I know I knew he had to move when there was some financial circumstances or like you know some plans they had in their mind, but. You know, it's so hard where they are at the, at the moment. They're trying to do a really good job, but it's like they're out in, uh, yeah, the Tarrant Point area, kind of industrial estate. Yeah. And you just don't yeah. get the passing traffic, man. You know, that spot where you're referencing just down from Aportos and um, South Carolina Beach there, like, yeah. Oh man, that was the, the that was the hang spot, you know. That was where you go get a, a feed, go sit out oh, the back yeah. of Emerald. You'd talk absolute shit. You'd see like Wendell devour um, a whole chicken. You'd have Blackie and Desi just just talking such good dribble, but it was yeah. just so enjoyable to sit around and hear it. And then there'd always be an amazing movie on the screen, you know what I mean? And, and you'd have. 10 groms just sitting there quietly looking around watching the clip 100 no those were the, some of the best times of my life bro like even even the you know especially the, especially the early days you know because once once i got a bit older you know like sitting there for eight hours um <laughs> waiting for the tide <laughs> was uh could get a bit much but um but in the back in the day you know go grab a feed a combo pack from what's that what was that place called down the road there bro 
Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of it. I don't know if it's – oh, I think it is. Is it Ritz Chicken? Ritz, Ritz? bro. Ritz Combo Pack. Ritz. That was by far the best deal to have ever graced the Australian shores, bro. That was like, <laughs> you know, 10 bucks for like two – basically, you know, you'd have a sort you out for the entire day. And it was good food too. But anyway, we'd post up there, talk, you know. I mean, that's when that's when I met all you boys, bringing Pino – Pano, oh. Pano is so much cooler now. Remember, remember he used to be. Remember what what a dick he used to be back in the day. <laughs> oh man, yeah, for sure, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. I I wouldn't give him too much credit, but yeah, he's probably pulled up his socks. <laughs> in way. Yeah, bro, no, Pano, bro, what a talent, eh? holy shit. But um, oh man, what a talent. That trip no, you guys went to um, South Oz, man. It was you, Strachan. Um, was it Jacob Romero for the for the for the turbo trip? Um, I don't think no, I don't think Jay Ram. No, J- Jacob didn't come with us to to, th- to South Australia. Um, yeah, it, so was just, it was just Pino, Pino Strachan, and myself. Yeah, sick, sick, sick. And Mitch yeah. Pearson went and shot that. Hey, freaking big Mitchy, big Mitchy was there. I think I think Richard Lawney was shooting as well. Yeah, and sick, um, sick. yeah, that trip was a vibe, bro. We stayed there that. Uh, I guess it's like Sharinga Roadhouse, that that wild old dude. Oh man, Mark, he's not Mark, there anymore, bro. unfortunately. But whoa, what a dude! Yeah, bro that that place was that place is pretty pretty creepy, bro. Bro, I've never looked into someone's eyes so intensely because he never <laughs> blinked. He was that high <laughs> on ice that he was just glued to your face. And dude. it was almost rude to look away sometimes. So you would get caught in these, like, he'd be telling you a story and the story would obviously go for 20 minutes or half an hour because he's so G'd up on the gear that, like, if, if, if you were to look away, it would almost seem disrespectful. And you'd always know that he'd had shotguns out the back or that he'd, you know, talked about killing men and having them buried out in the backyard. Exactly. So it was just like... You're on edge the whole time, but then yeah, really he'd say he'd say he'd way. say like exceptionally weird shit right before you went oh. to bed, and then you'd go to bed and he'd still be out there by the fire, just like freaking you know sharpening his knife or whatever, you know cleaning his gun or oiling his chainsaw, and you're just like, dude, what the hell, bro? What is what is this place? Oh man, it almost felt like um, what's that? Uh, do you know that movie Wolf Creek? Wolf Creek, bro. That's exactly what I was thinking of, bro. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was one time we were staying there. It was me, Steve Wall, Hoffy, and Greg Fraser, man. Oh, old Greg, old Greg, yeah. Old Greg, dude. And um, for, like, listeners back home, uh, Greg Fraser's a a boo from South Africa, absolute legend, and has done a lot of of cool travel in his times. But we were um, staying in one of Mark's rundown, um, I guess you would call them old caravan park style, kind of like, you know, dormitories out the back. It was just hilarious, like really what, what you were living in, you know. But um, it did the job anyway. So I think he, him and his mates had had a full bender and they'd been going for a couple of days. And we rolled in that afternoon, had Kathy's Burgers, which is Mark's wife. Um, she, she ran the cafe and the um, restaurant there at the, at the roadhouse. And, man, we, we, we went to bed um, – declining an offer to come out and party and like rave in the fields with a big fire. So it was just like, yeah, boys, we've got waves tomorrow. Let's just be good. And I'm pretty sure like it was either one or two in the morning, Mark's um, come in, opened up the door and just thrown in a stick of dynamite, 
like right. as in dynamite, like a bunger or something. Yeah. And it's like just yells out at the top of his voice before it goes off. What are you faggots doing in my fucking? Um, it was. It wasn't like it wasn't demountable. It was always like you know something like that in my caravan. What the fuck? Are you? And then and then we all we've all popped up. And as we as I'm trying to say to him, because I'm in the double bed at the door, I'm like, yeah, Mark, Mark, it's it's, it's boys, you know. Like we we we, we came and saw in the afternoon, and then, bam, the explosion goes off, and we Dude. all fucking shit ourselves and like like just dive beneath the covers and he's just like looking around as the smoke's clearing out of the, out of the demandable. He's just like, yeah, well you faggots better pay up. And then just like walked out, man. And, and, and then I think he was in such a ice psychosis that he didn't even remember it the next day. And just, we just carried on as is, but we were all so fucking wary. Carried on as is. That's like, Oh, dude, that yeah. I think I guess there's so many Mark stories there. I think everyone that's ever stayed there has a story about about old mate Brew. I know, I know. But that they're like they're the classic people that you see out on the out on the strip. You know, is there any you know local lords around your way in Puerto Rico that just fly the flag for crazy people, but in a real cool, um, you know, just different way? Like you can still relate to them. They're not too crazy and over the top, you know. Um, like, she's like, like full on like that level. Nah, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know. At least not that I've come across, bro. Thank, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> nah, there's, you know, definitely a couple of local laws that get around this area. Uh, mostly just old dudes. Yeah. Puerto Rico's got a pretty big kind of like population demographic gap where there's, you know, the most professionals leave. And then so you got like lots of kids and then lots of really old people. So there's a bunch of pretty wild old dudes like that are just on the source every afternoon and just, <laughs> you know, wreaking, wreaking havoc on the, on the street out front here. But uh, other, other than that, nothing too naughty, bro. No, no marks in Sharinga, bro. There's, uh, you know, I think, too, too close to the law here, bro. Yeah, 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 which is... Which is nice. At least you got some law and order in your, in your, your beautiful community, man. But um, you know, obviously, Jared, you've had a pretty successful bodyboarding career, bro. Like, I'm just gonna say to you now that like you're one of the most impressive bodyboarders to ever to ever kind of grace the foam, man. Like when you think about it, you've won two world titles. Um, you've been at the top of the pecking order when it comes to competitive conversations and free surfing conversations for at least a decade now you've repped hub boards to the nines you do some of the the most loftiest and uh impressive airs that that i've come across man and you're also a really down to earth just runabout bloke with a cheeky attitude and a, and a real good smile <laughs> but um do like, do you ever look back on your days um, and 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 want more, or are you content with what you've got out of bodyboarding? Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for all the kind words, really. It's probably the nicest things you've ever said to me. But um... yeah, usually it's like the opposite. But I thought <laughs> I'd give you a wrap on the phone. <laughs> no, cheers, bro. No, I appreciate it, man. But uh, I am super stoked on the. Yeah, I guess you could call it a career I've had in bodyboarding. It's been really fun. Um, you know, I met so many, so many awesome people. 
uh, you know, made relationships with people all over the world. My wife being one of them, you know, I met her through bodyboarding. So essentially, like I count my family as something that bodyboarding gave me as well. Um, you know, all the, yeah, just all the experiences and stuff have just been, yeah, so amazing. Um, definitely, I, you know, I still feel very, very competitive. Um, I would love to, you know, if it's just, if, I guess if I was, you know, if I, if I didn't have a family and I was, you know, just single and uh, no responsibilities or anything, for sure, I would still be, you know, doing the whole, the whole world too, 100%. Like, you know, I, I love that. But uh, nowadays with, with the family and having, you know, responsibilities, it's, uh, it's just, it's just too, it's, it's just too much, you know, it's too much to, to be away. No one has a good time. You know, if it comes down to having a good time, which is the reason why we do it, because we're not really doing it to make a lot of money or anything. But, you know, the last time that I pursued the full world tour, which is in 2019, um, just didn't have a good time, you know. I didn't have a good time. My family didn't have a good time. And then that just kind of made me go, well, it's just not worth it then. It's not that it's not worth it from a financial standpoint because, you know, if you if you're smart about it and you're doing really well, you can actually make a bit of money, but it's more just in terms of an enjoyment uh, value on it. Uh, if I, if I could afford to take my family with me, you know, and our lifestyles and but when I say afford, it's not just plane tickets. It'd be like, you know, homeschooling my daughter, uh, you know, staying in, in cool places and stuff like that. Uh, then I do it for sure. But then everyone would need to be on board with that. So that's just not a reality in bodybuilding, right? So, yeah. like you know, with with in in from that perspective, I would say that uh, no, like I don't want anything more out of it. But I would definitely still like to get in the mix, especially because I, I, you know, I really feel that now I'm doing my best surfing that I've ever done, and so I'd love to, you know, get back on the get back at a comp and pumping waves and be able to kind of show showcase that. But at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because you travel this way to a contest and then you blow one heat and that's it. You know, you don't get to showcase anything. So it's, um, you know, it's, I guess I should probably try and just do a strike mission to one of the ways I've always wanted to surf and, and uh, put out a cool edit about it. But I still feel competitive, you know. I, I love it. I love, I, I love it. And I see these guys, you know. I see Tristan. And I see uh, Tanner, and you know, Pierce still out there doing it, and Mars. And I go, yeah, shit, I want to do that. I, I can, you know, I, I, I know I can still, you know, mix it up with them, uh, or you know, even do better than what I used to. But you know, right now with the way things are going, um, just have other other responsibilities, other other priorities. Let's put it that way. For sure. And I think a lot of people, as they go into their 30s or their 40s, pick up different responsibilities that can enrich them in different ways, you know, and it makes you a more rounded person. But back to your point in regards to doing your better surfing now, I would have to agree, Jared, like some of the clips that you've been dropping the last couple of years are insane. You're technically at possibly your best. You look so smooth. Um, And I think you would easily um blow people away on the world tour and i just wanted to ask talking about the world tour 
how you felt watching the front on comp this year? Did you get a little ignition of competitive um, fire burning up in your stomach when you were watching some of those heats go down? Jeez, bro. That was a hard one to watch, eh? Wow, bro. Because that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's like, that's honestly like in, in, in relation to body weight, like that's the shit I live for, bro. Like that front of that size, like just pushing over the ledge and having a good old fashioned bloody dig. Like I just, I just love that, bro. Like that's, that's everything that I like about bodyboarding in one spot. Um, you know, the crowd, the the vibe, you know, the performance level is just getting pushed to the roof. Um, I was going to go, you know, I had, you know, I was, you know, doing this, going through the whole process. I've been planning it for like a year already. You know, everything was kind of set in stone, but I just had a bunch of injuries and like health um, complications leading up to, leading up to it that made me kind of pull the pin because if I did go, I would have been at like 30% and there's just no way to kind of show up to a world tour event at 30%. So decided not to go, but yes, I suffered. But at the same time, I felt like super inspired, you know, like seeing, seeing how hard everyone was going, man. And there were dudes like, bro, did you see the freaking juniors, bro? Those guys are like 18 uh, or like, you know, at the max having a dig at front time, you know, like people, you know, obviously, you know, I guess it's not, the numbers aren't there like they used to be, um, you know, especially when one looks at Australia. But, I mean, freaking hell. Like, the in terms of the level, I was impressed. You know, like, I, I thought, geez, I wasn't kind of riding waves like that when I was 16. You yeah, know, I dude, would... I totally agree, man. Like, when you had the heats of the juniors in the morning – juxtaposed against the heats of the men in the the lunchtime and or the afternoon sessions, you could really see that they had the same commitment and they wanted to go for the same lines and, um, you know, the same barrels and all that kind of stuff. But And the commitment was there 100%, but it was really cool to see just how the, the, the levels of um, skill work there because obviously, you know, and – going back to your point about being feel like you're doing your best bodyboarding now because of the, your maturity and your experience on the bodyboard and, and um, kind of coming into those, those years where people think that you might not be as athletically gifted anymore because you're getting a little bit older. I really do feel like you're, uh, and this is from my personal point of view and anyway, your, your skill set becomes so increased through, you know, all your experiences and riding certain waves and just, you know, drawing that same line over and over again or seeing how waves reacting and, and knowing how to counter that. That was the difference between the juniors and the men's and it was really cool to see the polar opposites there. I definitely sure. think the commitment was there, but it was sick to see that like, you know, you'd see someone come off a bottom turn in the juniors and just be out by a millisecond and then you'd watch Tristan come off the bottom or Moz or Pierre or, you know. Yeah anyone and you can just see the timing and that comes back to your surfing man in, in all of your clips the timing in which you hit the lip is so impeccable and that's the difference between getting caught in the lip and doing just an average reverse compared to one that you've been five or six feet above the lip and you're just sailing through sailing through the For air sure. you know that that was a huge difference i noticed which i really enjoyed watching because of that yeah, I I enjoyed. It. I watched pretty much the whole the whole comp, especially the heats that I was most interested in. Like I watched all of Tristan's heats and stuff because obviously I was going for him to win. And I watched Mars's, I watched Jeff's. Um, I mean that you know, like to your point there about you know getting older and stuff. I definitely feel that 
I mean, the you know, the proof is in the pudding there, really, in that, like, I think if you had to ask most of the guys um, that are kind of getting older now how they feel about their surfing, whether they felt they were better in their 20s or in their 30s, I'm sure that everyone would say they felt they were better in their 30s. And then some people yep. even in their 40s, you know, like I look at um, when I watch back old clips of myself, I recognize that, yeah, okay, cool. That was pretty cool. Like, you know, I could do a lot of tricks and I was kind of going for it and whatnot, but I would see the way that I would approach a wave and I just kind of had no idea. I just had no experience in different kinds of waves. You know, my whole body weight experience was built upon going as fast as I could and doing the biggest air I could. That was what inter- interested me at the time. But, you know, over a course of 20 years of riding waves, you know, you your your skill set only beca- only becomes more sharpened you know it doesn't it doesn't blunt over time you know you just get sharper and sharper and sharper and like uh you know you can see it with someone like an example that i always think about is someone like uh ben ben player like you look at him in his 20s and he ripped you know he surfed amazing but you look at him in his in his you know in his 30s and especially late 30s and the guy was just so polished and powerful and refined and even more explosive. And, you know, you just need to look at someone like Jeff. And, you know, when that guy came out, so like his first appearance in like a international bodybuilding was like 90 freaking seven, bro. Yeah. Like he's been doing, he's been surfing at, at the level he is now for like the past 25 years. Right, which is which is insane when you look at it across that expanse and you speak to him and he feels like he's doing his best surfing now. And it's plain to see, you know, how refined, how on point he is, like everything is like to the T, yeah. And so yeah, I mean like when you say, Do I still have a competitive fire or do I, you know, feel like I might one same wider body win? Yeah, for sure. And not just in the next two years, like in the next fifteen. Like uh, I, just, I definitely will, you know, still like to surf front on a pipe until I'm, you know, at least 50, but I'm aiming for 70. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've had this conversation uh, heaps of times um, back home here with a couple of mates and, like, it is such a um, such a kind of unvisited question, you know. It's like when will you surf these waves till – because – when you think about the sport of bodyboarding and how young it is, just being over the ripe age of 50 really with the invention of um, the uh, bodyboard being in the early 70s, you know, just kind of – was it the early 70s or late 60s? I guess I, I, wanna, I, I feel like it's 70s, yeah? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I just don't want to fuck that up because that's a very important point. But yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the very late – I mean well, the very you, early you, 70s. You, you can fall back on the fact that I didn't know either, so – yeah, 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 yeah. And you're a two-time world champion, so, like, that kind of makes you feel a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, just going back over, um, you know, the, the at the age of the sport, man, we're so young, you know, and there really isn't any boundaries set. Like, much like even competitive surfing, you look at Kelly Slater surfing well into his 50s. Yeah. The, with surfing being our older brother and it being more um, – culturally practiced over the last 2000 years with Pacific Islanders and, um, you know, all different people alike around the world taking part in it with bodyboarding. There's, there, there's no ceiling yet. There's no rooftop, you know, like, because we haven't really 
got there, one of the, our oldest bodyboarders yeah. in Mike, he's still leading the way and showing what can be done. And maybe because, you know, the way um, the craft does act with your body and your body types and the way you can strengthen certain areas and the low impact it can have if you're not doing huge airs, you know, like mind you, I'm, I'm you know, you do an invert out in the flats of a 10 foot close out in Brazil. I'm, I'm sure you're going to feel your ribs, but yeah, you know, you could bodyboard and still get barreled all the way into your sixties and seventies. And I think it's great because you, don't have to pop up onto your feet, man, where a lot of people that surf into their 60s and 70s find it very hard to continually um, pop up because of hip issues or groin yeah. issues or whatever it is. You know, I, I think bodyboarding has got a huge, huge advantage there. So, I, I mate, for, for me personally, I'm just going to be – I'm going to be dick-dragging into my 70s and 80s and, and, and hopefully still getting a couple out Cape or the island, you know. But yeah, yeah, just, for sure. You know, yeah. Pure, pure pits, bro. Pure pits. Just get that vision. Get that time portal. Hopefully, you don't run into any Jack Baker backwash at Cape when you're 70, though, because I think the consequences will be slightly more dire, right? Bro, won't it ever. He he should have lost organs over that, and yet he just dude. got a punctured lung and a couple of cracked ribs. But, <laughs> dude, you know, I was, in, I was in the car park that day, man, and I'm telling you now, from the view I had looking – and, you know, Cape, like when you, you're at the car park, you're looking kind of um, across it on the face. Yeah. J- Jack, Jack like went so high and then disappeared out of view towards the rocks where it looked like he, there was a possibility he might have landed on the inside rock ledge, which, Dude. you know, it's probably like 30 metres away from where the wave breaks. 100%. Like, like I, 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 when I saw that clip, like first of all, it was like, and I saw as soon as I saw the guy take off, whoever knew as Jack, I was like, saw the backwash, and I was like, oh my god, this is, this is bad. And then I checked him like at <laughs> launch, and he's like on his back, and he's flying so far forward, and I go, he's dead, like hundred percent, he's gonna come down in that that obscene position on his back, on the rock ledge. Like I, like to me, the fact that it flew, it chucked him like, um north instead of like directly to the beach is is like miracle like miraculous like luckily that one had like a bit of pushing or something because imagine if it had been like fully wrapping in i reckon he would have gone to the rocks yeah dude and then he's impaled on the rocks i I don't think he'd be here today i think it's all fun and games and we're having a giggle about it and i look back on that clip so many times and i'm just like he's done the biggest air in bodyboarding you know but like um but don't, but don't, don't tell him that the local hero will get his tires too pumped up, mate. You won't hear the end of it, you know. It's like it's enough in the lineups already to hear him chirping. You should hear him. It's like you thought Ben Player was bad in the lineups. Jack Baker is just like, just like a musical box going off on a fucking Friday night. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, bro, what a classic. Yeah, I know. So I could talking about um, hectic times in the ocean, Jared. Man, what's the what's the worst one you've had where you've either injured yourself or you've been in dire straits and you kind of possibly had your life flash before your eyes? Um, I think the the kind of gnarliest the gnarliest ocean experience I can recall um, was a couple of years ago. I mean, it was ages ago. Actually, it was in yeah, it was in like two thousand ten. I did this trip to kind of the stretch of West Coast in South Africa where there's a couple of uh, couple of pretty sick waves. Um, 
one of them being that like it's called the Devil's Horn. It's like this kind of gnarly slab. It, I think it I think it has its day, but for the most part, it kind of pinches on the end. But it's a uh, it's pretty wild. It's a big it's a big it's a big wave. But anyway, we kind of had we surfed in the morning, and um, by about two p.m., it just the tide came in. It's just massive. Yeah, it was like solid, you know, ten foot. You know, on the, the the big ten foot. Yeah, I guess like you'd call it Hawaiian or whatever. Like you know, like a yeah, probably more like twenty foot on the face kind of thing. But yeah, like you know, say ten foot. And it's coming in. It's just like it's just firing, bro. Like some of the biggest, most perfect horn I'd ever seen. We paddled out with a bunch of bunch of friends, and uh, I remember Specs was there, but Specs was he had a, like a pretty hectic headache. Like we'd been there all day and drunk much water, so he stayed on the beach and he was shooting. And once we got out there, we all had a couple of waves, and then it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was like really west, coming super onto the onto the bowl, and it breaks at the top of this little bay, and so like when you got that much water pushing in, obviously there's a lot of water coming out too, and the current just became like just ridiculous, you know, like I've, I've searched a lot of places. I've said, why am you know, like all these currently places, but this was just wild. Like we couldn't paddle against it. And so, you know, eventually got to the point where we actually couldn't reach the surf line. Like we couldn't even catch one of these monster waves to try and get in if we wanted to. So we had to take the decision to paddle around the headland to the next beach, which was, I would say conservative, conservatively speaking, like a K and a half away. Um, so we start trucking it out there and it's like so massive, you know, you're off the West coast of Africa. Uh, every time you go over a wave, you kind of lose the land behind it. And there was like this huge whale out there. Uh, who kn- who else, who knows what else? And kind of <laughs> we're all paddling in a big group. And as we, you know, between Horn and the beach, there's another wave that they call apeshit. And while we're paddling across, we're kind of like getting around the back of the reef at apeshit, but like 300 meters further out. We just hear like whistles. And I look up and it's like the biggest wave I've ever seen in my life. Just breaking like top to bottom, like 20 meters further out. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. So like, the other boys were a little bit further out than us and uh, they kind of punched through the face, but I'm next to Quervis, Quervis Bossman. I don't know if you ever met Quervis or not, but you push it. No, I've, I've heard a lot um, about him from Oslo. So Quervis Bossman is like next to me and he's got a, he's got a housing, he's got a water housing on his, on his, uh, on his board. And so bro, we just had to duck that. And I'm thinking, okay, Quervis is gone. Like I'm going to have to dedicate, you know, the next 20 minutes to, saving his life and he made it somehow like he saw i guess the extra weight of the housing helped get him down but he got out he got scot free kept going eventually we get in line with the beach break and then it's literally catching like a 20 footer in you know just this massive just mound of ocean and you're just basically zooming straight until it eventually closes out and just catches up and steamrolls us and um yeah it was an adventure man we got in definitely a couple of ground kisses went down uh you know there may or may not have been a couple of tears being shed but uh we yeah we we got out of it but that was definitely the most intense kind of situation i've been in the the ocean where you know one started to consider whether or not you'd 
make it back to the shore. Um, yeah, and, in, that's and, in, and in how many pieces, you know, but uh, yeah, determined yeah. by the wildlife in the area. Yeah, far out, man. Yeah, when you talk about those moments and you think about the solitude you experience, I know you've still got people around you, but you get into your own head and it's like you in the ocean and you really do realize how insignificant you are and small you are in comparison to what's going on. And that's just like, you know, a normal um, roaring 40s West Swell, I'm, I'm sure. Like it sounds solid as, but you guys cop them weekly. So it's just... Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was just kind of, you know, it's unique to that spot of how intense it got. Because, I mean, most of the time you're not going to be out there when it's, you know, doing that. You're not going to be, you're not going to be paddling around in a five-meter swell for no good reason. Yeah. But this happens to just be unloading. So, we, you know, we're out there. But, yeah, it was definitely a good uh, good thing to look back on and reflect. And also kind of like the teamwork is kind of all banded together and stuck close and we we're all looking out for each other. And, you know, we you know took the decision to cut our losses, not keep trying to get in through the bay and move off and do the lap around. I think that, the, I think we took the right decision. Yeah, for sure. Was there any other option to get in? Could you have come into the normal paddle spot or was it just too much water ripping out of that bay? Bro, this guy, um, Rupert LaGrange, he's this, uh, actually in Riptide, Riptide ran, I think it was like an inside cover of him during this session. He like paddles into this mutant wave and he bails his board and he's like falling down like into like a six-lipped monster backwards. Um, anyway, they ran this in one of their, when Tim Leeson was still the editor, they ran it as like a double-page spread. But anyway, that sure. guy, that guy, when we got to Apeshit, he took a wave and went in over the rocks, bro, like... He was just like, he's like, he's like, I'm going in, you know, and he, and he got in close enough and he did it. But like the gamble was, and that's actually now that I remember that now, that's why Corvus and I were so far in because Corvus was getting tired because he was carrying his housing. And he was like, maybe we should just try to get in here. So we were paddling in and Rupert got on the wave and went. And when we turned around, we had that set behind us. So that was the craziest thing was that we actually, as worried as I was about Corvus and myself, we were worried that Rupert, had gotten like smeared on the inside, but he somehow had skedaddled up the rocks and got in. Um, so yeah, uh, he, he, he fully escaped. What a ballsy move. Hey, that's like putting everything on the line there. It's I'm putting all my eggs in one basket here. I'm macking it for the shore and I'm just trusting myself to get through this situation or whatever the right. ocean's so that's wild. Full big dick kahuna move, bro. This guy is like, he's Afrikaans, you know, from the West Coast, like just one of the hardest individuals I know. So it's pretty cool to, uh, pretty cool to see him put his mind to something and do it. Yeah. And he backed it up in the water, which, um, you know, people can do on the land, but when they get into the water, sometimes they literally go to water, but a whole mate just sorted it out. LaGrange. Exactly. A bit of a legend. Talking about, you know, difficult times in the water, Jared, um, I, I know you've also experienced another difficult time while surfing tanned, and um, I think it was when you kindly lent a wetsuit to your counterpart, Michael Osler, at the time. Um, can you just elaborate a little bit on that lost sign wetsuit and where it could possibly be now? Dude, what? I mean, refresh my memory here, right? I've lent a lot of people a lot of wetsuits, friend. Like, they definitely never come back. <laughs> never come back. What is... <laughs> What's, what did Rat do with it? Oh, bro, Ratty told me a story the other day. I don't know if I should be saying it on the potty, but I'm I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. So, you know. What, he like shit or something? Yes, bro. What, what happened? He supposedly yeah, yeah. had 
um, he had a gut full and he went out surfing tanned and I think he, he did a he did a backy or did did something. He's come down and, you know, as physics would have it, he's just exploded the back end into your wetsuit, you know what I mean? Because he's obviously like rats diet's crazy, bro. Some of the things I see him eat is uh, hilarious. No, no, not yeah. so much like the quantities, but just some of the things that he'll smash. Like, you know, I, I work him every now and again um, here in Sydney. He works for a landscaping mob and I work for a, a pool renovating mob. And, um, bro, like when he told me this story, it, it, it made so much sense because he'll be on the work site at like 10 a.m. and just be like, I need something sweet, so I'm going to smash like five or six cookies or muffins yeah. or, you know, I'm going to do this and that and whatever. And we all have a sweet tooth from time to time, but Rat's just so, so classic. And when he no, told me Rat the is, story Rat about is, Rat is next level, bro. Oh, bro. Uh, he, he oh, He's such a cool human. i got so much time for him. But, um. Yeah, did did you remember this day at Tand where he's just had to he's had to come in and explain to you how he's pretty much just shattering your brand new wetsuit that you haven't even worn before? Bro, Raddy Raddy and I have had so many funny times together, so many blow ups, so many freaking just you know that I do now that now that you have refreshed my memory, I do recall this happening. I definitely can't remember. I can't remember the day or like the circumstances surrounding it, but hundred percent do remember that Rat has, you know, just shotted in <laughs> my, my my wetsuit, and I was just not, you know, very impressed by this at all. It was probably like probably for sure would have been like a time when he'd been staying in my house for like three weeks, you know, just being a grab, like you know, like he, like bro, like one time he. He like staying. He's staying at our house, K Town, with my parents' house for eight. Like you know, I, I felt like five months, but it was probably just like two weeks. But um, he he goes for a shower, and um, he comes out and he walks past one of my little sisters, and they go, "Right, what what shampoo do you use?" And he goes, "Oh, I use this one." And he like pulls it out, and it's uh. He, He'd washed his he'd washed his uh hair with like the dog's like medicated flea and tick shampoo. <laughs> and his his hair like literally took on the appearance of like steel wool, bro. He had like his big ass and the thing was just like rock hard, bro. I'd been stripped of all life. <laughs> uh, I was just like the rat, bro. Like, you know, how would you not notice the dog on the dog and the tick on the freaking bottle? But no. Nah. <laughs> dude speaking about like using different animal products accidentally um you know the rats had a shocker there but i can almost um i can almost contest to what he's saying because my wife lozzie one night when we were this is back probably 10 years ago now and we were staying at her mum and dad's house and they have a cat there and she got up in the middle of the night, like one or two in the morning. It was just, I was so thirsty. He's gone straight to the fridge and has thought to herself, oh, man, I just want to smash some juice. And the problem with that is that there's two containers in there that both look like juice. One of them's juice and the other one's cat's milk. Oh. And, bro, she's just gone straight in there and had this big swig without, like, it's dark and whatever. Dude. And, man, I'm telling you now, I've seen cat tendencies from that day. There's occasional yeah. moments where, you know, she'll be kind of cruising next to the fire 
and then starts rubbing her hand up against her face like a paw. Or, you know, there'll be times where I come into the bathroom after a big night and then she'll have coughed up a hairball. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, it, dude, it's, it's yeah, so right. I can see how that stuff happens. And cats are the seediest, right? Cat milk. Quite like literally milk from the teat of a cat. I know, when you think about that. But then think about humans drinking the milk from the teat of a cow. No, no, totally. Yeah, no, it's it's like it is. It, it yeah, a hundred percent. But just you know, cats are like these, like you know, just creepy creatures that yeah. have the most vile yeah. smelling, most vile smelling feces, and like piss on <laughs> things, and it stinks. You know, like cows are just these like frolicky, like happy go lucky thing. Anyway, it's the same thing essentially. But I mean, milk, I from, a cat, milk from a cat teat. You know, she said that's up there, bro. Yeah, it is for sure. Like, imagine like having little tweezers, you know, and just like milking for like for five or ten minutes, getting a little jar of it, having a swig. Like, yeah, it's a fucking weird process, eh? Right. <laughs> Wild. I um I I I wanted to touch on something that's uh, mentioned in your Instagram profile, Jared, and I said it at the start of the. Uh-huh. The potty when I was um, introducing you, bro. I just want to want to touch on the bold wording of "not an influencer" in your bio, Instagram bio. Can you explain that a little bit? So the "not influencer" thing comes about that you know every week get like numerous emails from these obscure. When I'm talking about obscure, like you know the most random shit ever, bro. Like. These companies that kind of outsource their, you know, marketing budgets to, well, they, you know, like kind of give their marketing budgets to these, to these other agencies that then contact people that have, you know, like different amounts of followers on Instagram. And then they pitch the idea of influencing for said brand um, on your Instagram platform. And, you know, first time it ever happened, I was like, oh, what? Like this person wants to like pay me to like, post saying you know about the bloody you know internet router well, okay cool that sounds like i can do that so i looked into it and they you know they asked me for my for my rate you know and i go well shit i'm not gonna do it for like 50 bucks you know i don't you know i don't care enough about it to do it you know like 50 bucks not gonna make much difference in my life so i like you know chucked i said oh, i went to like 700 or something <laughs> and they were like <laughs> And they were like, oh, like just never got back to me. And then it kept happening. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, I guess my figure's too high. But at the same time, I was going, well, then, you know, what the hell? Like, it's what it was annoying was I was thinking, if they're not taking that pitch, that uh, quote, it's because other people are doing it for like peanuts. And so I'm going, well, then, you know, screw this. I'm not going to waste my time on this stuff anymore. So just, boldly put their not an influencer to try and you know persuade people to not contact me to promote their arbitrary products um and has it worked i still get i still get a couple eh? but i just now just kind of you know people people might people now they go haha saw your instagram bio but we want to offer you you know this maybe you consider it <laughs> <laughs> Bro, man, if you just came in like the middle, you know, like you are a two-time world champion, so I can see why you went 700 bucks straight off the bat, but maybe like 
two, three hundred, kind of like mid range. No, well, this get is some extra this is. I, you know, I eventually did work down to these figures, but it was still denied. You know, so I was like, yeah, cool. Well, you know, any less than that, like that's not happening. But also, they like you know. The thing is, you know, there's nothing worse, bro. There's not. I mean, Instagram anyway sucks ass, bro. I'm so over Instagram. I don't like Instagram. I don't like that it's a part of my job. I don't. I, there's nothing I like about it. And so I, you know, like, um, sorry, where was it going with this? No, I just went on an Instagram hate hate rampage. <laughs> but um, I feel you. I definitely feel you about Instagram. I can definitely agree. Like, uh, it's a necessity uh, in a lot of people's lives. But Jesus Christ, it can be taxing. Dude, the day the day that I'm no longer the day that I no longer have like any kind of responsibility to be you know somewhat visible, which you know as it is is already like you know kind of weird, but. I will ride off into the Instagram free sunset, like with a very full heart. But anyway, and then just um, pick up TikTok and keep going. Nah, bro, TikTok. I've got a strict no TikTok, no Snapchat policy for life. Bro. Me too. I don't, I don't care too. how much they sell, whatever. Like you know, those those things and just buzz off, bro. But anyway, the thing that I don't like about Instagram most is that. Everything is just like a like an advert now. Right? Everything's an advert, and like obviously we're all guilty of it. You know, like my you know my yeah you know, job essentially is to promote the products that I ride, and that's you know, but that's it's kind of it ties into my lifestyle, right? But when I'm getting when I'm getting uh, an email from some company to you know promote, um, I don't know, like you know cable ties or something, I'm like, what the hell? You know, I don't. You know, what does this have to do with me or the people that might follow me? You know, like I'm not going to just push that on them for a couple bucks. Uh, I'm just not into it. I mean, maybe that's stupid. I, I know a lot of people make a lot of money from Instagram, but yeah. No, just, but it's uh, nice to no, but it's, it's nice to hear, bro. Like it's nice to hear that you've got some morals and you've got some standards for yourself, and you're not willing to just sell yourself silly you know like it is easy to do that these days and and you're right a lot of people can make a lot of money off it but at what cost to their own their own image their own self-worth their own um their own view of themselves man like fuck me dead like we all use instagram on and off for different things and i have to use it for a business sense too and i um ran the movement instagram there for a little bit back in the day and with josh too and and um you know, it's 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 poisonous. It's a necessity in this day and age, but it's super poisonous. And you find yourself comparing where you are in life to, you know, how many likes you get or how many viewers you have and, and followers or whatever it is. And it's just, um, it's what's wrong with the world today. And, and, you know, everyone thinks we're so much more connected and we've got so many more platforms to communicate on, but we're so inwardly focused on ourselves sometimes that those communication methods are just they're they're sparse or they're they're empty that's not like they're they're really wholesome like you know if you like this conversation now we've been going for over an hour and it's just been flowing good times chatting about Bergen and just a genuine conversation where we're getting our points of view out there we're on Instagram like you're you've got only a certain amount of characters you can use you've got um limited things you can get across in text you know, I know you can send photos with it too, but it's all so superficial. You know what I mean? It's all just fucking la la land out in the digital sphere. It's, it's, also um, just, it's just it's just noise, bro. It's noise, and like the thing that gets yeah. me, like so, like I'll like I'll be vulnerable here for a second. I'll say like, well, the way it affects me personally is that it um 
it creates noise in my head, unnecessary noise, you know, and it's almost like numbing, you know, if you, if you, you know, when you, if you really think about it and obviously not everyone's honest in themselves in this regard, but when you sit down you you scroll through Instagram, like you're essentially just vegetating and just filling your head with a bunch of worthless noise. That's like essentially numbing you to like all the things that are happening around you, you know? And it's like, you literally get sucked into it. And I don't think us as humans, at any stage of our history have been exposed to so much constant barrage of news, images, uh, sounds, uh, you know, voices, information, all this kind of stuff all the time. And the worst thing about it all is that it's fed to you by an algorithm that behaves based on the way that you behave. So if you interact with a certain type of content, let's say that you're like, you know, looking at, um, I don't know, chicks or whatever on Instagram, it's going to just feed you like endless images that you can just get lost in this rabbit hole of. If you're looking at, uh, let's say you um, love uh, Scott Morrison and you're like a big fan <laughs> of him. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's very few people that do, but anyway, that they're gonna, just going to just, you just shove you pro Scott Morrison um, uh, content like for days. So you're going to have this great opinion of them. The same goes for the other side, you know? So like these algorithms just, you know, they're just kind of watching you, obviously through AI, you know, it's not actually people watching you, but they're just spitting out stuff all the time that's designed to keep you there. And, you know, some people like they go, oh no, but you, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. And it's like, cool, it doesn't cost you anything, but at the same time, it does cost you your concentration and your, uh, your peace of mind in many ways. So, you know, yeah, for sure, I think it, I think it's definitely something to be used with caution. That's for sure. Definitely, dude. It's a drug. It, it, it releases dopamine in your, in your body consistently with the things you're tapping on, the stimulation you get through your phone is a dopamine release. And then there you are, you're locked and loaded looking for that next hit of dopamine every time. It's just stock standard. Um, you know, and, and you're so right. The algorithms are there watching you. They're, they're just collecting all the information on you. Putting and yeah, you know, when someone says that Instagram doesn't cost you anything, it will it does because it's your personal information and the way you view and see the world is being harvested and collected regularly. So then you can be targeted more for marketing and for different products that you don't need. So it's um yeah, you I guess the old saying in this world is you don't get anything for free. And there's always a hidden cat fucking gets you. I, um, Brew, I've got these five questions that I usually ask towards the end of the potty in regards yeah. to your, um, your, your, I guess your, how would you say your tendencies in bodyboarding and what you like? Do you mind if I go through them? For sure. Shoot, bro. All right, man. Um, the first question being, would Jared Houston ride a crescent or a bat tail or any other tail? Because we talked to Winnie the other week and obviously he's got heaps of, new um fandangle models coming out but yeah what would be your tale of um choice um so i ride crescent tail daily i do have a bat tail which i thoroughly enjoy although i did find it like in you know in heavier surf i found it like a little bit i guess because just i'm not used to it yeah but i found it a little bit loose but i did find that the waves that i surf on a daily basis which are not always good um it made them a lot more fun a lot of fun in the bat tail, just more lift, uh, more release, you know, looser tail. Uh, I thought it went a fair bit faster. So, yeah, I would say that 
to answer the question, would I ride a crescent battle or any other tail? Yeah, I ride whatever, whatever bodyboard, um, you know, whatever shape, size, and uh, tail design bodyboard hubboard I can get my hands on. Yeah, yeah. As has hub, um, the hubboard's got anything in the pipe work that you know about in regards to design or things you're excited about? Um, in terms of tail design, nothing that I'm aware of. Um, we do have a couple of cool things uh, lined up for the near future. That I probably shouldn't talk about until they're finalized. But um, but yeah, basically, I mean, right now we just it's kind of hard. Like when you once you find something that just works, jeez, um, it's hard. You know, don't fix something that ain't broke, right? And uh, yeah. you know, I like quad core sci fi, and then what we do for the colder waters, the cold core with a sci fi, uh, just works just so well. So we kind of just kind of hooked on that right now. It's what we all ride. We're all just loving it. Uh, it's the daily driver. Yeah, sick. Yeah, it's cool. And you've kind of left us wanting more there with the new features of the hubboard. So I like what you did there, Jared. It was it was, it was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, second question, my bro, ramp or pit? Dude, 21-year-old me would have said ramp and then, like, would have said, like, ramp or die. <laughs> I think these days I thoroughly enjoy parking the bones in a, uh oceanic cabin, bro. But <laughs> if I can get a ramp at the end of that, then that's just the bee's knees, eh? Yeah. For sure, for sure. I think it is a pretty special feeling to be enveloped in water. Eh? It's a different, a different experience that not many people get to get to go through. It's 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 really cool, and it's so unique about bodyboarding, surfing, or water sports. Just to be able to get inside moving energy, like be be cuddled by moving energy. It's so crazy to think that that's just a regular part of our um our daily diet when when bodyboarding. But yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, and like you know, only a you know. I guess I didn't want to quote a figure because I'd probably be horribly wrong, but, you know, it'd be less than, you know, a fraction of a percent of the population of humans to ever walk this earth will know what that feeling is. Um, yeah, so true. So bloody true. It's cool. It's cool to see. Um, dolphin cut fins or other design fins, sir? So I've used ASIMs now for, like, well, dolphin cuts for... <sighs> as long as I can remember, yeah. Um, I always have this conversation with people on, like, on the camps because they, you know, often ask me about the benefits of it. And it's pretty funny that, like, you know, I guess, strictly speaking, asymmetrical fins are an aesthetic thing, yeah? They were all just become slaves to, we love them. <laughs> um, I just couldn't really ever see myself changing that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to just go with asyms, eh? Dolphins. I know, but it's all that style influence. It's so hard to, to to get away from it, you know, and I do take on board the fact that other design fins might propel you quicker through the water, but it, it, you cannot get past the beautiful nature of that triangular shape when you bring the fins together. Like talking about orcas, talking about great white sharks, talking about all the apex predators in the ocean and how well they move. They've all yeah. got that shaped tail. So it's kind yeah. of like well, But they're all they're all used in unison though. <laughs> so that's the thing. That's yeah, the, true. That's where the science doesn't add up with the with the with the fins for us. We'd be kicking them at different different speeds. But you know they're uh so it just looks so damn nice. 
I know, man. So appealing to the eye. You can't deny a person that. Just give the people what they want. You gotta, you gotta do what you like, bro. You gotta, you know, yeah. follow your heart, otherwise you'll never be happy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Fuck, that'd be a good tattoo, eh? Follow your heart, or you'll never be happy. No, no, I can just bro, see myself no. getting that right on my that's bicep. Like a, that's, that's like a Kobe Addison special or something, bro. Oh, bro, we got to compete with all the ink he's got. He's got some clangers over his body, you know. <laughs> be more like Kobe, I say. Be more like Kobe. There you go. <laughs> um. Uh, Beachy or Reef, or I got to add this on, and I've got to remember. I'm going to write it down now. Or wave pool. I've never surfed a wave pool. Oh. Would, I would, I, I'm I'm obviously interested in it. That would be it'd be pretty fun for sure. Um, but I would have to say, geez, bro, what a what a conundrum you put me in here. <laughs> um, it's just so different, bro. But I guess that if you have to say, okay, you got to surf one for the rest of your life, but they're always going to be good, I'd probably say beach break is just be so much variety, yeah? Whereas reef breaks are kind of always going to do a similar thing. Um, beach breaks just kind of keep you guessing. You know, you rock up one time and you've walked for 20 minutes and the banks were absolutely shot. You just like swear to never come back ever again. This place sucks. I hate it. And then... <laughs> You know, two weeks later, you're back there on a whim and it's just firing. You're like, oh, my goodness. You know, it just makes the score that much sweeter. Yeah, true. I think you bang on there. There is something very romantic about the idea of going to a beach break and turning up, no one around, desert island vibes almost, and you've just got these perfect peaks to yourself. Where a reef, it swells act differently on them all the time, but you're getting the general feel every every time you kind of know what to expect um i think beachy you know from looking over all the all the pros bodyboardings produced and all the different style masters and um technically gifted people i really feel like their beachy surfing was an integral part of them becoming so good and i think beaches are are the answer to high performance bodyboarding for sure yeah they definitely do they play a big part yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Um, last question, so bicep or wrist leash? Oh, bicep, yeah, bicep for life, till death, till death to us part. Oh, 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 oh. oh, dedicated to the bicep. You're never going to think about maybe if they come up with some new designed leash, like what if it come, you come up with, I'm just thinking out loud here, like some sort of waist leash, man, you know what I mean? Where a waist leash? I mean, I, I, would rock a, I would rock a leg leash, I reckon. I reckon leg leashes seem pretty functional. I mean, the only thing that I don't like about them is they'd probably like maybe create a bit of drag, although I've never used one before. Um, yeah, leg- true. Imagine an invert with that, with a big a big um, leg leash, and you've just got that leash dangling b- between, <laughs> between both legs. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, like when you're doing like a – super like tight technical like reverse spin i reckon that there is the potential for the leash to come around and whack you across the eye line like it could happen yeah like you can't rule it out so you know from that perspective they're probably not that functional but like l taylor always used to say to me that he would wear them because in heavy surf you know when you bailed out you could like just kick and swim like as hard as you could without having something uh, weighing you down, you know, and if you got your leash, if you got your board on your arm, that arm is rendered essentially, you know, useless, and you've got something pulling you from the strongest part of your body back. 
So like the leg leash thing and heavy surf seems like quite a cool way to go, but like wrist leash under no circumstances. <laughs> Strictly no circumstances, off limits. Yeah, off limits, bro. Yeah, yeah wrist that's a good point about wrist leash are in the sin bin for me, right? Yeah, <laughs> 10 in the bin. It's actually a good point about the leggy thing, um, especially if you're in really big surf and it's not really an air session and it is just big barrels. That's um, yeah, that's a really, really good point because so many times you can feel, you know, in, in heavy situations, you try and rip through the back of a wave and it's on your arm. You feel like you're just getting ripped back like, with the board completely and you're almost rendered helpless in, in, in certain ways. I guess that's why so many people de-leash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say 90% of the time I surf without a leash. But, you know, the 10% of the time when I'm surfing waves that are like in front of a jagged you know, rock face or like if I was surfing the shark island or something and I don't want to go and swim off into the channel to fetch my board and, you know, risk losing life and limb, well, then I'll wear a leash, you know. But um, most of the time I'm, I'm surfing leashes, it's just so much, more, so much more fun, so much easier. And I like that it makes me sort of commit to my moves a bit more. Um, yes, you know, because yeah. you're kind of hyper aware that you don't have a leash on. That's such a valid point, man. Andrew Lester um, and Pino did that, and actually Osler does that a fair bit at the island too. And um, you know, just on certain days where it's a bit more forgiving and stuff, and it does show. Um, it shows in their surfing because their make rate's probably a lot more because they're very conscious of, you know, coming out with their board and not having to swim into the the deep <laughs> deep darks around. So like, totally. yeah. I, I, th- I think you're bang on. And the the way you can make your board pop out the back of the wave too is insane. I've seen a lot of people do that where you, if you know how to bail out of the wave and hold on for a certain period of time, you can just pop it up out the back. And as long as you don't get too ragged on the inside, you're sweet. You just pop up, gather it, and just continue on your way. Yeah. Yeah. So no, cool. it's, 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 it's pretty functional. Yeah, it is. It is. My bruv, I think um, we've come to the end of the potty. I just want to thank you dearly for coming on Luke's Lounge. You're always so good to chat to, Jared, and I think we need to make um, this conversation a bit more regular. Hell of a nice to chat to you again, Luke. It's been, uh, been a couple of years. Good to hear your, good to hear your voice. Glad your visa finally got approved. You can stay in, uh, stay in Australia. And um, (laughs) (laughs) for all the listeners, that was just an inside joke between Luke and I. We've been ragging on about that for years. But Luke, yeah, 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 from Australia and being granted entry. But um, but yeah, man, great to catch up with you. Love what you guys are doing. Stoke the Riptides back. Um, super cool to have some more uh, just bodyboarding uh, related uh content out there yeah that's uh cool to watch and ingest and uh especially platforms like this where it's not just in one ear and out the other it's uh it's cool i'm glad to be a part of it so well done hope you guys keep going thanks bro yeah we, we really appreciate the kind words we're trying to make a difference in regards to not not cover an area that hasn't been covered but just probably bring to life a bit more of the different subcultures and like the underbelly of the bodyboarding world where like a lot of these stories go on deaf ears. So, you know, even some of the things you've mentioned today, people wouldn't have known about you, Jared. So it's really cool to have you on and just getting it out there, bro. And we'll have to have you back in the lounge soon. Awesome, brother. Yeah. We'll chat soon, bro. All right, man. Keep well, eh? Have a good one, bro. It was all a pipe dream. Watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeat.